0: continuing this morning in our sermon series as it is in heaven and I want to get you caught up to where we are if you are just joining us or if maybe you've been in and out over the last couple of weeks but we started with Jesus's declaration when he began his ministry where he said this he said repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near repent for the kingdom of God is at hand that that was his great announcement, and from that point everything got wild and crazy. It was from that point that he began to preach the message of the good news of that fact, and that it was accompanied with the demonstration of the miraculous, where people were being healed and set free, for, where the outcasts were being draw, uh, drawn near, and where all kinds of stuff was starting to generate excitement. But it was with the declaration that heaven was now available. On earth. And we looked in that very first week at the Lord's Prayer where we are invited to, uh, to pray and even to declare in faith, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That in essence, what Jesus was saying is that the way things have been done around here, you no longer have to do those that way. That you can live differently And in that, we've kind of built what that looks like and and how we can begin to engage in that truth. And what's true is that as you take steps to pursue the things of God in your life, when you make a, a, a resolve in your heart that you're going to be the man of God or the woman of God that you were created to be, and you take steps of faith towards that, there is intense, often, pushback and pressure from the world around you. Sometimes it's pushback and pressure just from family. Sometimes it's from friendship circles. Hey, why don't you do the things that you used to do? You used to be maybe more fun or more adventurous or more wild, like whatever it would be that they would try to levy an accusation to the change in your life. But there's, there's pushback, and here's what is at, 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 at basic level being said. That's not the way that we do things down here. But it's a new way that you are living things out and that tension ends up pitting kind of ideologies thoughts philosophies value systems all against one another and in first corinthians chapter 4 verse 20 we looked at this the last couple of weeks paul says this that the kingdom of god is not a matter of talk but of power that as jesus went and began to talk about this new way of living this new way of experiencing life this new paradigm that was available in him, that the kingdom of God was present and at hand, that this wasn't to just be talk, this wasn't just motivational speaking, this wasn't just kind of get your life on the right track, but it was going to be accompanied by the power of God demonstrating and testifying to the truth of this new reality. The kingdom of God is not about talk, but about power. And the reason why the kingdom of God is about power is because it requires that, in many cases, for you and I to walk into and experience this, because the brokenness of the world and the systems of this world and the things that would be in opposition to the promises and the purposes of God being realized in your life are going to push back against those things. And that brings us to today, some things that we need to be aware of. Last week um, at at my house, I, I had a day that didn't start very well. I got up in the morning and I was getting ready to go outside and do some of the basic chores that have to be done around our home every morning, and I couldn't find a specific tool that I needed in order to get this done. And I knew where I had left it and I hadn't moved it, and so that led me to the annoyance of knowing that some loving person in my family messed with my stuff, right? And I know that you can't uh, relate to any of this, but just use your imagination for a moment. And so all of a sudden, it's like, where's my things? To my wife, to my kids, and we start kind of going round robin, and I was already grumpy, I was feeling pressed for time, and I don't know if you know this about me or not, but Pastor Ben has bad days sometimes. There are times where Pastor Ben acts unchristlike. You're my favorite service because at the last service somebody said, yeah, amen. Hey, whoa, 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 we didn't need to affirm that out loud. But I started out with a bad day, and I started kind of picking and niggling at my family. And then all of a sudden, like, I found what I needed, and I was like, okay, I'm good. And I went out, and I started to kind of go about my work. But what I set in motion, what happened for the rest of the day, ended up putting my whole home into upheaval. Where we were constantly picking and at each other, and our words had venom and bite, and there was no grace, and there was no joy, and there was no peace, in my household, and it was coming to this culmination in, uh, in our kitchen where most of us were present, and the question got asked, what is happening here? Like, what is happening in our home today? Because this isn't the way that we purpose to live. This isn't the way that our normal life rhythm works, but we were in absolute disarray, and it was at that point that what was spoken was, I don't know what's going on, but there's something spiritual behind this. And so we paused, not to just share our feelings and tell everyone we're sorry. We paused to pray, to stand in the authority that we have in the name of Jesus and to speak peace and joy and hope and his plans and purposes over our home. And we stopped and we prayed and contended for the things of God. And that set a new trajectory for our family for the rest of the evening. And it was important for us to recognize that there was more to what was going on than just having a bad day. There are times where the inconveniences of life and just kind of your own hurts and wounds and vulnerabilities, the the difficulties and challenges of the world that we live in, there are times where those things can can be difficult. And then there are places where those truths about the brokenness around us are being um, exploited in a way that's compounding the hurt or the difficulty, and all of a sudden you get to this place where you're like, wait a minute, what is going on? This is, not, like, this is not just a normal bad day. And what is prone for you and I is to forget that even though we kind of live our day-to-day pretty much in the natural, we kind of get up and we have these rhythms and we have to make breakfast and We have to get ourselves closed. We have to go about doing our chores. Like there's just kind of the mundane day-to-day in the natural. We have a tendency to forget that there are other things happening in the world around us, that there's more than what we see with the natural eye. And we often have difficulty seeing or recognizing or understanding what is happening in the spiritual realm. And that's what we're going to talk about. This morning. If you've got your Bible, I encourage you to go ahead and get that out. Lord, we stop and pause and prepare our hearts to hear from you this morning. Lord, we know that your word is more than just uh, written uh, words on a page, but your word is living and active. Lord, that your word has power and life to it. And Jesus, you said that we don't live by bread alone, just in the natural and in the physical, but we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, Lord, we turn our attention to that today. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what is true, and that we would have discerning hearts and minds to act in an appropriate way in regards to that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Your Bible's out. I want to encourage you to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, it's the last chapter in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians was a letter that Paul wrote to a local church congregation that he had founded, that he had church planted. He had spent a significant amount of time there in, um, in relation to other churches that he had done that. He had, he had invested a lot of his person there, and he writes this letter back to that church as an encouragement to them, and he's writing from prison. So Paul's not in his, you know, author study, and he's not, you know, doing his book tour. He's literally in prison at this time sending out letters to different churches to encourage them. And what's interesting is he never sends a letter that says, hey, can you pray for me to get out of jail? Or can you guys have a bake sale and raise up some bail money and maybe get me out of it? He actually never petitions for them to petition for his situation to change. In the middle of his difficulty, he always asked them to pray for boldness and courage that he would speak the gospel wherever he was. And even at the end of his life, as he was writing letters to the churches from being imprisoned in Rome, he writes in those letters, hey, there are those in Caesar's own household who greet you as brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, so he was all about the kingdom of God, doing kingdom of God stuff. And he was thinking in terms of, of different things often But at the end of the book of Ephesians, as he's closing out this letter, he gets to this place where he, if you've got a section in your Bible that kind of designates different ideas or themes, it'll say something like this, the armor of God, or put on the armor of God, or something along those lines. It's in the last chapter of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, he draws their attention to really the posture that they should have and the way that they should determine or set their face towards the things of God, how they should go about ministry in their local context and in their personal life, the way that they should be the church and be the church unmoved. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 11, he draws their attention to this truth. He says, put on the full armor of God... So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so one of the things that Paul does as he's finishing this letter is he calls their attention the fact that simultaneously there is both a physical and spiritual reality to the world that we live in, that there is an immaterial and a material component to the world that we live in, and that they are not disassociated or disconnected, but rather they go together. And so from his prison cell, in a very real difficulty that he's facing, He doesn't say put on the full armor of God so that when you're challenged with life's difficulties, it's going to be okay. He says outfit yourself in the armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. He's very specific here that this isn't just about being more comfortable in life or kind of overcoming life's hardships, but that the believer needs to set themselves to being alert towards the deceptive ploys that the enemy would use to undermine the things of God in their life. And this is a a significant thing for you and I to pause and at least give mention to, because if you're going to be the man of God or the woman of God that you've been called to be, if you're going to purpose yourself to take steps of faith, to go out and do the things that Jesus did, there is very real purposed and intentional opposition that is going to look to mitigate your effectiveness in the kingdom of God. That is going to look to kind of diminish or incapacitate you and unfortunately many times we've led this idea of following jesus to the effect that people think if they follow jesus they don't have problems anymore or if you follow jesus all of your wildest dreams come true it's like the end of napoleon dynamite vote for pedro and all your dreams will come true and can I tell you that if you are going to purpose in your heart, I'm going to give it to you as straight as I can. If you're going to be a man of God, then you're going to deal with spiritual opposition. If you're going to be a woman of God, you are going to deal with very real spiritual opposition. And you need to be aware of that truth, not afraid of that, not intimidated by it, but you need to be aware of it so you can sniff it out when it comes. And for me in my home, it took us a whole day to figure out that dad's kind of whiny bad day in the morning had turned into spiritual sabotage that was unsettling in his home. It took us all day to think maybe we should stop, take authority in Jesus' name and pray about this situation. And I can say that without any embarrassment because that is our common practice, to miss some of those things that are taking place around us. And your mental, emotional, and spiritual health is connected to your physical health. The physical and the the uh, um, immaterial, they're, they're connected. And you don't even have to be a believer. You don't have to have any type of religious faith to believe in that at all. You and I all know that what um, our doctors would tell us is that if we are stressed, if we're dealing with anxiety, or if we've got kind of these overwhelming fear that that can lead to health issues right okay so if you go in and your blood pressure is high what's your doctor going to ask you what's your pace of life is there any anxiety is there stress like what are the things that are do you have any calamitous things going on in your life if you're dealing with ulcers same question they're going to ask you about that stuff why because those two things are connected The other thing is true. If you're dealing with physical stuff in your own body, if you've got a chronic ailment, that can lead you right down to a deep depression. And you may have never been depressed a day in your life until you got sick and that pain just won't go away. See, these things are connected. And it's important for us to recognize that there is an enemy of your soul who will do everything that he can to either cause those things in your life or to use one to... Create the other as well. Now, you can over-spiritualize things, and this is why most people shy away from these types of topics because there's all kinds of weirdness going on in the world. Not every time are you sick is there some type of scheme of the enemy. Maybe you didn't wash your hands, and you should learn to do that. Right? Not every time you're dealing with an anxious thought is that the enemy plaguing your mind. We're prone to our own anxious thoughts. But there are times where those things are or they're being exploited. And there's times where you're dealing with a chronic pain in your physical body and then you start having thoughts about how it's never going to change and the depression sets in and the thought wasn't something that started with you, but it was one that you entertained when it was offered. And sometimes you start to deal with anxiety and fear of things that haven't even happened Happened and aren't even ever going to happen, but we allow those things to be introduced and then they work themselves into physical ailments as well. It's just important for us to recognize that there's a connection to those things. And Paul draws the attention of the church to that. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be aware when the enemy is scheming to take the things of God from your life. And when you're dealing with very real uh, opposition, um, there is a need for us to be aware or later in Scripture, in some of the other letters that Paul uses, he would say be sober-minded or be alert. It's just an, an admonishment to pay attention. And this shouldn't surprise us in John chapter 10, 10, which is one of the theme verses for our church family, it's like an anchor verse. It's one of the things that we contend for. Jesus, as he was speaking of the difference between kingdom of heaven at hand and the way that the things work around here right now, as he said that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, that in any and every way that the enemy of your soul can act to diminish the things of God, that he's going to do that. That he's going to belittle it, he's going to pervert it, he's going to twist it, he's going to mitigate it, he's going to take it, like whatever he can do to make it less than what Jesus says it should be, he's going to try to do. But Jesus has come, very specifically, that you would have life and have it to the full. Some translations would say, or abundant life. And that is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's your kingdom come, your will be done. That's that type of life there. And those two things are in opposition to one another. And it's important for us to recognize that that's true, that there is a simultaneous physical and spiritual reality to the world that we're living in, and there are very real oppositions to the things of God in your life. And so we need to be aware of that. But all that should do is wake us up to how we're supposed to respond and unfortunately for many of us we don't have healthy conversations about this type of spiritual dynamic and part of it is because the uh, the um, framework or um, kinda of the culture that you live in right now has moved into a postmodernism, and really starting with the enlightenment starting with the age of reason The Western culture has moved further and further and further to, if I can just figure it out in my head, then I can figure it out in my life type of a paradigm. And it has uh, consequentially diminished the idea of spirituality, where in many cases it's dismissed altogether. But I want you to know that that's a cultural lens that you have. It's a framework that society has built around you. For most of church history, that hasn't been the case, and I can take you to so many places in the world that don't share that opinion. If I picked you up and put you on a plane with me, and this fall we went to Thailand, and we went up to one of the uh, hill tribe people villages up in the village and you tried to tell them kind of the western paradigm that it's like well you know the problems that you're experiencing it's just physical you just need a pill like the spiritual stuff that doesn't really happen they would look at you like you're bonkers and most cultures in the world would because they don't share that enlightened perspective and one of the things that you find in scripture is that in scripture the reality of the spiritual and the supernatural and the reality of demonic activity it's never a matter of speculation it's a tr- it's a truth it's a perspective that everybody knew and everybody understood in Matthew chapter 4 verse 24 as Jesus begins his ministry and as the power of God is being demonstrated people started coming from all over to have him do things in their lives and this is what was taking place news about him spread all over syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases and those suffering severe pain the demon possessed those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them all people were getting healed and delivered all over the place and here's the deal when they were bringing those who were oppressed by demons nobody was like whoa that's kind of weird Everybody was like, yeah, that person needs deliverance. That person needs help. There was no kind of paradigm that said that that was off limits. In fact, they were bringing them because that was the only place that they could find that. And a careful reader would find that there are, I would say, as many stories of deliverance from demonic oppression than you will find of divine healing in the ministry of Jesus. Over and over and over again, those who were oppressed by spirits of darkness, were liberated as many times as the blind were seeing and the lame were walking. You can go through your Bible and highlight that yourself. And so it's important for us to recognize that that is, that is a reality. It, it is a part of our experience. But we don't shy away from that, and we don't over-spiritualize it either. Okay? Not every headache is... Satan turning his attention to you. Do you know that he can only actually focus on one person at a time, that he's not omnipresent like God? Like sometimes we don't even think even rationally or enlightened about the things that we know. But there is, okay, there is a reality that there are spiritual forces that will press against the things of God in your life. And that brings us to what do you need to First, do about that. Number one, you need to be reminded that they don't have any actual authority anymore. Hollywood, horror movies, supernatural cinema, those things have done a disservice because they have created kind of this fanciful idea that the forces of darkness have power that they don't. They do not. You do not ever see a spiritual encounter where Jesus loses. JC does not lose. Like every spiritual encounter like that that you see in Scripture, you see forces of darkness saying, hey, uh, pretty please, can we just like go into the pigs? Or you hear him popping off saying they're going to tattle on him basically and he says, you be quiet and you be gone. And it's done. See, last week we were talking about the invitation that you and I have to walk in the authority that Jesus has, and we started with the idea that he has all authority. There is only one King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no other, and he does not share. He's not concerned, and he has already overcome those things. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, Scripture tells us that for in him, in Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Paul goes out of his way just to make sure, hey, what you see, Jesus made that. What you don't see, he's in charge of that too. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or whatever you want to put there that would say that it can flex its weight in the natural or the supernatural, it is subject. All things have been created through him and for him. He is in charge and over those things. Colossians 2.15 tells us that he has disarmed the powers and the authorities and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus has overcome any and every force of darkness that would look to disadvantage you from God's kingdom blessings. We need to be aware that those things exist, but we also need to be more than aware of the truth that Jesus has already overcome those things. And that moves us from a place of being, well, I'm not sure that I can talk about this, or man, I'm not sure I want to even know about this, to a place that we start to say, no, I want to be aware of this, and I'm going to walk in the fullness of the power of God. See, because if we're going to contend for as it is in heaven in northeast Colorado, if we're going to walk out heaven on earth, then it's going to have to come with the power of God pushing back the things that have had hold of our community, hold of our households, hold of our persons. Those things have to go. And they go at the name of Jesus. Paul writes in another place that every knee would bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord And so there's something in you and I that needs to be awakened to this truth. Peter writes similarly in verse 22 of chapter 3 of his first letter that Jesus has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand and that the angels and the authorities and the powers are in submission to him. Jesus is in control. But we need to be aware of when we need to exercise that truth. So instead of taking captive every thought like I should have done on that morning, and instead of settling it at the beginning of the day, it took me all day and my whole family going into upheaval to entertain the thought of, hey, there's something else going on here. But it doesn't matter to me really how long it takes you to come to the awareness. Once you recognize that something is spiritually off, you need to act at that point. You need to act at that point. And that's what Paul gets us to in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he starts going into, therefore, put on this, put on this, put on this. And most of the time when we go to the passage, we get, we get bogged down there. Put on the helmet. Well, I wonder what color the helmet is. Does it have a flashy plume feather on it? Or, you know, what's it made out of? You know, we get to the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit. We, those things are all important. I'm not minimizing those but paul is basically saying there hey get dressed and we get stuck looking at our outfit instead of doing what he's actually telling us to go do the practice isn't for you to just get dressed there are two things in the passage that are highlighted when you get to the end of it he says and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and with this in mind be alert And always keep on praying for the saints. You'll find if you read the passage in its entirety on your own, there's two things that Paul tells us to do. He says, get dressed and you need to stand and you need to pray. That you stand and you pray. It took us to the end of the day to decide to do that as a family. But once we did, it was done. See, The battle's already over. The battle belongs to the Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. There is only one in earth. In heaven and under the earth, there is only one name above every name, and it is the name of Jesus. And when you will look at your situation and think, man, there's something off here, you need to stand and you need to pray. And I love that when Paul says this, he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions and all kinds of ways, like pray all kinds of prayers. I like that he leaves the door really wide because then you and I don't have an excuse to do it. Well, I don't know what to say or I'm not very good at that. Just say what you got. He'll fill in the blanks. Sometimes when you recognize that there is something spiritually off in your life, you just need to yell, Jesus, help me. He can figure out the rest. I don't think he really needs all the details of what and when and how that help should come. He is more than able to rescue you in that moment. Jesus, I need freedom. Jesus, I need forgiveness. Jesus, I need wholeness. Jesus, Jesus, I need healing. Like, man, you stop and you pray. You take authority in the name of of Jesus. You stand your ground. In that passage, Paul says to stand, to be alert, pay attention. Later in Scripture, he would say in other places, be sober-minded, be alert, so that you can know, sense, discern what's going on. And maybe you're just having a bad day, and you're not sure whether or not there's something that you actually need to be aware of, then stop at that point and just say, Lord, would you give me discernment? Help me to see what is true here and and dad may have a conversation with you that says hey there's actually nothing spiritual going on here you're just being you know you and we need to talk about you right now right sometimes dad has hard conversations with us about us and then sometimes we're wallowing in a self-pity and a self-loathing and he's trying to lead us into a freedom and we're allowing ourselves to be continuously spiritually bullied by something that does not have the ability to do that anymore we need discernment to know the difference between those things. Church family, if you would stand, we're going to take a moment to close. Worship team, if you would come back forward. As we continue in this series and as we contend for in Northeast Colorado as it is in heaven, part part of our story will be having to deal with issues of spiritual challenge there will be wrestling there will be challenges there will be places where the enemy looks to sabotage the goodness of God the grace of God the promises of God in your life and all you need to do with that is be aware of it and begin to develop discerning eyes so that you see it sooner rather than later so that you can take your stand and pray earlier than later See, the the challenges that we face and even the very real opposition that you might have assigned to your life right now, it's literally inconsequential to the person and power of Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the one and only savior and deliverer. And at the name of Jesus, every knee bows, every tongue confesses. It's a done and settled thing. And so when you stand as an heir to the kingdom of God, in the name of jesus then you get to stand with all of the backing of the kingdom of god behind what you're doing and so the enemy has to flee scripture literally says if you resist the devil he will flee it makes it really really straightforward no no my home's not going to be like that no i'm not going to go that direction no i'm not going to allow that to be a part of my story any longer That we get to dictate that, not in our own strength, not in our power, but because Jesus has already done so. And so we stand in that confidence for just a moment. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine what your life would look like this week. That at every kingdom opportunity, you took a moment to stop and to pray with confidence, authority, and discernment. What do you think your life would look like if you just did that, just for this week? That every challenge, every obstacle, every difficulty, every interaction, you approached with eyes where you were looking and alert, confident, and standing in the authority of Jesus' name. When I imagine you doing that, when I imagine me doing that, I would imagine that there would be so many heaven on earth moments that we would have to celebrate. We would have to tell somebody. And there would be a cacophony of chatter as each one of us were waiting for the last person to finish their story so that we could say, yeah, that's good, but what about, and we got to tell ours. Lord, may that be the week that we have. May we have a week where we stand in confidence, where we stand our ground and pray, where we're alert and sober-minded, Lord, where we celebrate the power of God on display. And Lord, as we bump into hearts that seem hopeless, that as we would say, man, it could be heaven on earth, and they would look us in the eye and say, man, this is not even close to heaven, that we would have an answer, that we would have an invitation, that we would walk in bold confidence authority and discernment and that we would take a moment even right there to pray Lord for those hearts in our community that are needing and aching longing for a heaven that they can't even hope for let us go out this week and be a part of introducing them to heaven on earth in Jesus name amen amen action steps for this week are all going to revolve around prayer So when you're dealing with difficulties, I want you to pause, stop, pray, and pray in these three ways. Number one, ask the Lord for spiritual discernment so you can recognize whether this is natural or supernatural. Two, whether it's either or, contend for the kingdom of God to come and to be present, heaven on earth, his will to be done. And then number three, stand in confidence that Jesus has all authority and has already come, overcome that issue.